Zell is just jamming fucking hot, hot like dogs. double fisting hot dogs in his mouth, and he starts choking and shit. And like, yeah, I think we know what our opening uh, scene sh- should be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, god damn it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Gaming Effect. We are here with episode 10, which is going to be our finale, hopefully, of the Final Fantasy VIII series. Uh, I'm your co-host, Alex, a.k.a. Soldier First Class. And uh, Corey, a.k.a. Dookie03. Did you forget your name there, bud? <laughs> yes, I did for a split second. No, so, I was going to say Dookie03, a.k.a. Corey, so that's what happened there. So anyway, guys, I just want to say a huge thank you. Uh, we just hit over 400 plays and rising. Uh, you guys actually beat the first episode of this series with uh, one more play than the very first episode. So the second episode has 36 plays. The second episode or the first episode has 35. So thank you for all the support. And if you have not seen either episode one or two of our Final Fantasy VIII series, please feel free to check those out. And all, of course, all the other episodes that we have were at episode 10, obviously. So you got nine more episodes to catch up on. So uh, don't forget to share on you know, all your social medias. Give us a rating on all the platforms. We are on Spotify. Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and my YouTube channel. So really appreciate all the likes, comments, you know, answering the poll questions, answering, you know, the Q&A sessions on the, on the episodes. It's been, uh, been really awesome. So we really appreciate it. Um, we're probably going to cut the intro stuff short yeah. and hop right into Final Fantasy VIII, but we are going to go with some things that we're playing and or excited for. Uh, what are you playing right now? I've been playing Kodelka, and honestly, I'm not too sure, man. It's uh, when it's good, it's good, but when it's not, it's. I'm not a big fan of survival horror games, and it's not because I get. I mean, I I do sometimes get scared easy, but it's I've, not. I've because seen I you get play scared. Outlast, so Outlast is scary as fuck. It is, but uh, um, it's it's because they're so like puzzly and like mazy and the maps suck and the controls always suck and it's this tries to be like the perfect mesh of jrpg and survival horror and it probably is if you're a survival horror fan but since i'm not a survival horror fan i'm i think i'm bailing on it and next week i think i'm gonna start i i might start that shark game honestly that man (laughs) Man eater yeah yeah i've never played it before i've kind of always wanted to play it now that it's on for like a good price it's uh i think i'm gonna start that next week um yeah. also does this go up tomorrow it's yes so if you guys uh haven't yet check out my twitch channel because we've got a 24-hour charity stream specter fest going on um it'll be saturday saturday at 10 a.m until sunday at 10 a.m so check that out if you're listening to this uh on the friday it'll be tomorrow so yeah, definitely check that out. We're raising money in memory of our good friend Jason, 
Um, we got tons of great games, ton, uh, tons of bad games if you're coming to the late stream or the late part of the stream. So, yeah, check that shit out, too. Guys. And it's it's always a blast, guys. I, I come in every year. I donate every year. And it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I definitely recommend showing up. And, and uh, even if you don't donate, uh, showing your time, showing your, you know, your support for everything and just just being there you know, lurking in the chat and everything. It does really help uh, get the word out there about the the donations and the charity and stuff like that. So definitely, even if you can't donate, which we completely understand, uh, definitely stop by and, and hang out for a while because it's always a lot of fun. There's always some, you know, a lot of challenges being made. There's a lot of like, you know, obviously donation goals. There's, you know, Corey defending his battle royale championship. Yeah. Corey tends to eat something really bad on stream, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's for a good cause, and and we always have a lot of fun with it every year. So definitely check it out. Um, I am playing currently Metal Gear Solid the original right now. Did you finish it yet? I have not finished it. I am about to take on the second Sniper Wolf fight. Mm. Uh, I just beat Liquid Snake in the uh, the hind fight the, oh, the, helico- yeah, okay, the helicopter yeah. fight on the roof is it called a hind i always call it a hind d yeah i think it's a hind is what oh, it's okay. called um but yeah so uh it, not gonna lie the game has held up really well it's campy where yeah. it needs to be it's serious where it needs to be and like i love that as like much of a chad as snake is i forget how much of a bumbling idiot he is with women yeah like he's He's always like experience like he's always flirting with these girls and he's doing a really good job but then when it comes to like actually actually, locking them down right he's like oh i'm not the hero you think i am and it sounds (laughs) it's like (laughs) it sounds badass but then when you look at it you're like oh he's actually not good with women at all like no uh, but he shouldn't be either, right? Right. Really? Yeah. His whole thing is like he's a loner, so you know it kind of yeah. makes sense. But it's just really funny because like there's some campy stuff, like when Meryl is running away from the camera, it's like focused in on her ass, oh, and ass. her ass yeah, is doing I like this. That. It's fucking that. hilarious. But it just cracks Did me up. Did she get shot in yours? Yes. Did she? Is she gonna die? No. I. There's I, like. There's like Couple different endings, hey. I survived the torture scene without submitting. Oh, okay. So right, uh, that's what it is. Yeah, you if you to, survive the yeah, torture yeah, yeah. scene without without submitting, she lives. Right. But uh, yeah, just some. There's funny stuff, and there's like the one where uh, Otacon gives you the ketchup, and you can fake being dead. And then the guard right. walks in and is like, "What the hell? This is ketchup!" And then he just runs out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, uh, does Otacon piss himself in that one? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. When the cyber ninja shows up, Grey Wolf. Yeah. 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 It's fucking hilarious. It's been so long. So I, I'm like a huge Metal Gear fan, but like the, the first Metal Gear Solid game is like probably my least favorite game in the whole series. Really? Yeah. Like I would probably play a Metal Gear 2, like the original Metal Gear 2 before I would play uh, Metal Gear Solid. It's just the way it controls. Like I don't. Yeah. I I don't know. It's super like clunky and. It is really clunky. Like the controls yeah. definitely have not hold up, held up, but the game itself definitely has. And I feel like it's not as um, like I don't know, point to point to point, like not as streamlined. I guess like right. 
plot wise. I don't know. Well, it's there's one part where you have to like backtrack almost all the way to the beginning of the game to get a sniper rifle. Just yeah. just to continue where you're at. So Whereas like Metal Gear Solid 2, like a lot of people don't like that one as much, but I love Metal Gear Solid 2. I like 3 and Peace Walker more now, but for years too, Metal Gear Solid 2 is my favorite Metal Gear game. See, I like, wanna I'm actually excited because I think in four days the remastered collection comes out. Oh yeah. And so I hope I'm, they don't fuck it up though. Well, I'll be able to play I'll be able to finish because I'm playing it on Duck Station right now. I'll be able to finish right. uh Metal Gear wow. Solid One. And then when the remastered collection hops out like comes out, I'll be able to hop into uh part two and then part three, obviously. But uh the game that I'm excited for right fucking now that as of this recording is officially out. Spider-Man 2 on PS5. I'm so excited, dude. I, I'm a huge Venom fan. Uh, yeah, I, Venom's I, great. I love Spider-Man. I got the collector's edition, so I'm excited to get the the 19-inch Venom statue. Uh, really, really excited. That's going in the background probably forever. Once I get it uh, of, the, of the video version of this podcast, you'll see in the background it'll be the Venom statue next time. But... Uh, yeah, I am super stoked for Spider-Man 2. I can't wait. I actually just finished Near Replicant uh, the other day, too. Uh, a game that I've played before, but wanted to replay again, because I've been... Uh, I get in these waves of, like, I want to play a game that I've played before, and that just that was like the that one. Too. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, that's. I think we're going to cut that segment right there, and we're going to hop right into Final Fantasy VIII, because we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, we are going to be a little bit less in depth than we have been the last couple episodes, but mostly because like, yes, we're trying to save on time, but also, uh, a lot of the ending in this game, like really falls off hard. Um, and the excellent bad is that there's just like, not, a, it just kind of rushed. It's very rushed. I think and it's not even, I don't even know if it's that, I mean, yeah, it is that, but I think it's because like. Once you get into the Ultimecia stuff, it's very like you're just doing puzzles and shit. To well, the explanation the is so bad about what's actually going on. Like, I'm sure there are going to be somebody that comments or says something about it, but about how you know, like, oh, if you just li- if you just look at this, it makes sense. But it makes sense in that they had to do a plot device to get to Ultimecia's castle, so I kind of get that. But at the same time, like the whole the whole last fifth of the game just falls off super fucking hard in what I believe is quality. But that's just my opinion. Um, I know some people will probably say that the the last half of this game is really good. <sighs> I like the last half more than the first, honestly. Really. Yeah. See, I love the first. I would say the first three fourths of the game is the best, and then like. But the again, last... like for me, the be- the best part about the game is the like the world lore, right? Yeah. So like this is where like you can fuck around in the Shumi village. You can like there's all these little side quest stuff you can do once you get the red yeah, rock. I guess that's true. I mean, I was more talking about like the main story falling uh, off. Yeah. The side content's actually really good in this game, but mm-hmm. the main story I, I feel Yeah, it does back off. But it, it, it kind of backs off to give you give you a chance to do all the side stuff, I feel. Right. So let's go ahead and just hop right into it. So the last time we left off, we were kind of talking about uh, Fisherman's Horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we got through that segment and we were getting to the spot where Sid kind of says, Hey, uh, Squall, you're the leader now. This is your fate. This is your destiny. This is what you were born to do. Uh, Squall's kind of like, eh, fuck you, old man. Like, no, but he still does it anyway. Yeah. Um, we end up back in Bal and Balam. And this is where we end up getting Pandemona from right, Fujin uh, and Raijin. Fujin? I hated yeah. this fucking part. And this was I remember it being hard as fuck the first time I played. The fight part. itself is not hard. What I don't like about this game sometimes is that it doesn't If you don't talk to certain NPCs. Right, that's what it was. Triggering the events was hard. Triggering the events is hard, and I fucking hate that. Like this is where the last part of the game really starts to bother me because there's so much that you have, you have to, to do. Talk to a specific NPC and then a specific NPC and then go to a specific spot and then come back out, talk right. to an NPC and go back in. Right. And then you get the yeah. And then, the hotel. And then yeah, and then finally Fujin and Raijin show up and you're like, yeah. Oh, he's sleeping here. Oh wait, he doesn't sleep here anymore because uh, Fujin caught him last time, so now he sleeps behind the car. And then the car's like, oh no, there's a guy yeah. back there, and he's like. Fuck, that was oh. dumb. I forgot about that. Dude, That's padding right I, there. Oh, it was bad. I fucking hated yeah. it. But anyway, the fight itself is cool. You get... Uh, Pandemona. Yeah, you get Pandemona from Fujin. Um, Who's really cool summon that never really appears ever again. Yeah. Eight is, eight is really good for its summons, and it has a lot of summons, and none of them... Like, a lot of them are unique to that game. Right. And... Yeah. It's, like I guess Doom Train is like a reference to Final Fantasy VI, but it was never. I don't think it was a summon in six. No, it wasn't. Um, Doom Train Eight is the only time Doom Train shows up. Um, I think Eight is one of the few times that Tonberry is a summon too. Yeah, I love Tonberry as a summon. I just love Tonberries. Yeah, I think everybody and does. Cactuars. Um, but yeah, I I did not like this segment. Um, it just, I don't know if everybody's, fixed, yeah, they fixed the, the Balam garden. Do they jerry rig the whole, like that big fin he uses to steer it yet? Or they just get it to go again. And that's why they crash into Balam. They actually don't crash into Balam. Um, they, they fix it. So, oh, so you, they, you say, yeah, there. Fisherman's Horizon actually fishes, uh, fixes because remember they're engineers. They want to get, yeah, and they want you out of there because you're causing kind of trouble to, yeah, right? you're, so you're drawing trouble to them. But, yeah, this is where we end up going to Trabia Garden. And this is, right, we checked Trabia because we knew yes. those missiles were launched. Yep. And here is, I'm going to get flack for this. I know I'm going to get flack for this, but the plot twist. Yeah. So they all go to the basketball court. You know, you can talk to They're some in Trabia. NPCs. Trabia, first of all, there's like a big missile through the stage that didn't right. somehow go off. Like, But the rest of the garden is fucked. Like, yeah. it's destroyed. Yeah, you actually find Selfie at a graveyard that's been kind of destroyed, too. And it's very like ominous, like very yeah. creepy right there. Like it's a they very did a really creepy... good job, I think. Yeah, they did. Uh, but you end up on a basketball court, and this is where the plot twist happens. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't like this, but after replaying it this last time on the remastered and knowing what to look for. 
I I like it. I actually yeah. I actually like it because all of the pieces were there. And admittedly, this is the this is the problem I have with like Katase and Nomura led games is that this is where you see that you have to do a lot of reading or you have to look for stuff or you have to, you know, there's a lot of extended stuff that you have to look for to get the context that makes this not feel like an ass pull. And when it does not feel like an ass pull, it's pretty good. Um, but, but the con all the context is hidden in the game though, which is what ruins it for most people, which exactly. And I, I want people that like Final Fantasy 13 to replay this game because I feel like if you replay it knowing that you have to look for this stuff, you'll enjoy it more than you did the first time. Now, I have tried replaying 13 and I can't fucking do it. I yeah, can't. 13 2 is really good though. I just couldn't I, get through 13. I mean, I got through 13, but I'll never play it again. Have you played 13 2? I have not. I actually recommend it. It's it's pretty damn good. I I hate because I don't want to play Lightning Returns. Don't yeah, that's the worst jam. And I and I feel like I would have to. I would feel compelled to. So I don't know if there's like a good an alternate ending to thirteen two, but yeah, the ending to thirteen two sucks ass because it it's like they had a good thing going and then they ruin it all. Just to set up the third game, man. Like no that's reason. so weird. It's almost like Katase and Nomura do that all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, can't imagine what game they've done with that recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm getting flack for that too. Uh, fuck it. Who cares? Anyway, so. Irvine comes clean, finally. He tells everybody, oh, you know, I remember this orphanage that we were at. Uh, and then everybody's like, oh, I remember that too now. Like, now that you bring that up, was it like a stone building? Like, was it kind of old? Like, and, and Irvine's like, yeah, actually. And he's like, I knew, but I didn't know how to say anything because you guys didn't remember. And like never brought it up. Yeah. And nobody ever brought it up. So I just thought maybe like, you know, I was remembering wrong or whatever. But you well, know, you haven't seen these kids in how many years, right? Right. So it's like you don't necessarily know for sure that it's there. well, except for a select few of them. They all got separated. Yeah. And only recently did Selfie get transferred to the garden. So, you know, but they also reveal that Guardian forces do, in fact, actually destroy your memory. It was only considered yeah it was only a hypothesis at the time like yeah. it was hinted at and but nobody actually knew whether it did or not and now that we have these kids that don't remember their past now we start to see that this is actually the case and guardian forces do destroy your memories yeah um, and a lot of this was set up throughout the entire game but if you weren't really looking for it you didn't really think about it um which is why, which it explains why the garden faculty in the beginning of the game were like, hey, you're going to hear a lot of stuff about guardian forces from other gardens yeah, or from other people. Do don't listen to it. It's all propaganda. There's nothing wrong with guardian forces. And that was their way of like saying like, hey, we know that there are potential side effects, but 
this is our way of life and you're not going to do anything to stop that and no one else will either. And so it, it, it gives the party a reason to not remember everything, but it does feel like an ass pull if you have not been really mm-hmm. listening and yeah. paying attention. Um, so he also reveals that Idea, the sorceress we've been trying to kill, is actually the matron who was our mother figure in the orphanage. So right. not only are we all related in some ways, like relationship-wise, the person we've been trying to kill is our mother, basically. Yeah, the, the who ran the orphanage, basically. took Raised them, basically. Right. right, and the only father that Squall has ever known was Sid. Yeah. And so they kind of piece that together, too, with Norg, because Norg's like, oh, oh, Sid and Idea, that... that Damned married couple, I think is what he says. Yeah, something, yeah. And it's like, that's the first, like, hint that those two are related yeah, in some yeah. way. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I like these flashbacks, too. Because it also reminded me that the train sequence with Irvine and Selfie made more sense now. Because he said, hey, you know, we're fated to be together. Like, you, my destiny is you. It makes sense, because, like, why would they met up again after all these years if it wasn't, right? Well, it was orchestrated, and they explained that. Like, Sid orchestrated this whole thing. He knew that one day, Idea was going to be under yeah. under the spell of some sorceress. And well, he, that's why they founded it all, right? Because, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. why they founded Seed. So, because Squall tells them at the end of the game right. what's going to happen. And everybody says, oh, well, how did they all just happen to meet up together and all this? Sid orchestrated it. He wanted Squall to be the leader of Seed. He wanted Cypher and Selfie and Quistus and all of these people. He wanted them in the positions they were in because he knew that this was all going to culminate in them coming together and them being Seed and them defeating Ultimecia. But this was yeah. years in the making. Like, this, everything was orchestrated completely. The only one not really part of the plan is Rhinoa, hey? Right. And she's kind of a happy accident in the plot. Yeah. And a lot of people also said, like, when it comes down to it, they, they're they determined that even though Idea is their matron and they know that now, they're still going to carry out their mission to kill her. Yeah. And Renoa is the one that's like, hey, maybe we should find another way. Yeah. And I've right. seen a lot of people say, like, oh, why does Renoa care and nobody else does? And because she's not a mercenary. But it's not that they don't care, it's that they have a mission. Yeah. They and they've been bred since birth to this is their mission. This is what seeds were created to do. Right, and like they the know entire, that now, yeah. and even though she's their matron, they have a mission, and this is what the matron would want, because she mm-hmm. even says, like, this is the goal of Seed, you are to destroy yeah. the sorceress, and even if that meant killing her, which Sid actually says, like, I wish there was a plan that didn't involve killing her, but it's... That's yeah, his fucking wife. But it's, he's willing to put it on the line... They need to honor that and put it all on the line. You know what right. I mean? You know, they need to do what's best for the world and not for how they feel. And that's yeah. a part of them being mercenaries and how they were raised. Yeah. So 
when it comes to the, I know I'm jumping way ahead here, but we kind of briefed on it. Because at the very end of the game, when they come back through time compression, Squall gets lost for a second and tell and get actually sees um, the sorceress possess Adea and all that, and he kind of hints to her. I think it's he tells her like about the whole he does thing, right? It's a it's kind but, of a time loop a little bit. Yeah, but then how does how does Adea form seed to make that event happen if he never comes back in the time? Because I believe it's always been a time loop. Because it's time compression, I guess, right? Right. So it all happens. At, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Plus, like... So, this is also one of the few examples in the game where someone going back in time or, or dealing with time stuff actually does change how things go. Because... Or more so causes it to happen. Because Alone the whole time has been trying to go back in time and change things. But she's never yeah. been successful because she knows she can't. But yeah. during time compression... During time compression, Squall ends up in the wrong spot. And he sees her and she knows it's him. Yeah. She doesn't she does. at first. But then she says a line. She says... You are the only squall that belongs here to the little boy. And she uh-huh. knows this because when the little boy runs away in the in the scene, Squall goes, Don't worry, he'll be back, I promise. Because he knows it's him. Yeah. And then that's when she figures it out. And then when the kid does say something, you know, she goes, Don't worry, you're the only squall that belongs here. So she knows it's him. So Yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy also for Ultimecia, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, yeah. But yeah, I that is kind of... They kind of create a time loop, and it's weird because it's not really properly explained. No. But, um, yeah, we'll kind of get into that too later, because I have some, some issues with how that all goes down anyway. Yeah. So where are we at now? I can't so, remember. We just got done with the plot twist. Um, right. And then they're like, we want to find the orphanage, right? Is that where they go next? No, they start. They. Uh, um, we have the Battle of the Gardens. Yeah, because- but that's why. Because they, aren't they going to that orphanage? And then they're like the, in the area. And then yeah, they see that actually, that I think you're right. Gardens there. But before that, that's when you can go to the Shumi village, right? No, I think you can... Oh, it's locked, right. It's, like, sealed right. at that point. I think you have to go later after you've, yeah, yeah. After you've gotten through some story stuff. Ragnarok, probably. But, yeah, so they go yes, to actually, the orphanage because so. they're like, I remember an orphanage here. And they're like, let's go. And so they go to the orphanage. Now, is this before or after the White Seed ship part? It's after because uh, Fisherman's Horizon was after the White Seed ship. Oh, okay. So... The I remember the white like where you have to find the white seed ship. Oh no 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 no! You're right you're right. It's after the orphanage, but so we're we took over the garden. We went to Balam. We saved Balam from Galbadia. Uh, we go to Trabia. We talk about the orphanage. We see the flashback, 
and then, then they go to find the orphanage. And right? then they go to find the orphanage, but they have to fight the Battle of the Gardens first. Yeah, which is the best part of the game. Honestly. Yeah, it is by far one of the coolest parts in the entire game. Like all the cutscenes there. So they're pulling up. They like, I think I know where the orphanage is, blah, blah, blah. So you head to where the orphanage is and then you pull up and you're like, fuck, Galbadia's garden also can fly. And it's it's basically looming over the orphanage. And the sorceress is basically controlling it. And they pull right. up and, oh, my God, it's a it's like a big all out war between the gardens. Yeah. And like, so this is part where I get a little bit. I feel like the love story got forced into a very dramatic scene that it shouldn't have been forced into. Like when she's falling, like she like Rhino yeah. almost dies here. Yeah, she almost dies, but she hangs on for probably a good ten minutes. There's no way or, she hangs or on longer that. if yeah. depending on your <laughs> There's no way she hangs on to that. You wanna ledge play some long. cards? <laughs> yeah. She's like hanging on for her life. Yeah, everybody's like, Squall, you need to go get her and he's like <laughs> You wanna play some cards? Yeah. But uh, and then they're like, "Give this ring. You need the ring." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. So oh stupid. my! F- yeah, dude. This is this is where it really starts to bug me. That part's dumb. But the yeah. rest of it, man, like they're like, it's like students slaughtering students, like busting in through the window. You have to classroom. You have to do that punch fight with the with the guy in the mech oh, suit. Oh yeah, on the rope. Yeah, you're on like it's on like a, this hover jet. How many how many times on a rope? How many times did you fail that? I don't think I ever have. I just mash, and I've always gotten through it. See, I failed it twice on the remaster. Oh, really? And I yeah. just remember, like, the... Because, like, the whole thing... There's, like, a big cutscene happening yeah. while the fight goes there's, on. There's an entire FMV playing behind you, and yeah, it's fucking dope. it's so good, dude. It's so good. Um, But, yeah, there's... So, you, you, you do save Renoa, and, like, this big, like, uh, almost, like, 80s action movie style... And then yeah. you end up on the ground and you're running across the battlefield. There's to like the people, garden. there's like people exploding. There's fucking. Yeah, there's shit going off in the background. Like everything's going to hell. Yeah. And literally. Fuck. Right after this, you get to the door of Galbadia Garden and Renoa like kicks her heel up and she's being all cutesy and she's like, oh, Squall, I have your ring and. Blah blah blah, and she's like, like, "Dude, what the fuck?" And, and and Squall's like, "We're like, what 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 are you doing? Like, what's going on, right?" <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, "What are you doing? What's going? Yeah. Like, literally, people just exploded, and you're like, ooh, ooh Squ- or Squall, like, ooh, like it's like, oh my god, dude, please fucking get it over with. Either just would you two just fuck already? Like, yeah, it's just fucking. Oh my right god, right in front of Cerberus, they yeah, owned, yeah." But so you go in the garden, uh, you do end up picking up Cerberus, and all you have to do is fight him to get him. Who's honestly useless because of the way magic works in that game. But he's got some good junctions, I guess. He does have some good junctions. Well, I actually <laughs> like uh, drawing from him more so than actually having him. Yeah, because his triple is fucking has, really yeah, good. Yeah, I think he has triple, double, and protect maybe. And those are like three really good fucking spells yeah, to have. for your stat, to junction to your stats. Right. Triple, Tri- like... It's like the best or second best spell triple, in the game. Triple can max a stat. Yeah. Depending on what stat you put it on. I think and holy 
Ultima, and Ultima are the yeah. two best. Ultima and Holy are the two best, and then Triple, I think, is the third best. And Ultima, you can draw for free outside Shumi Village. Right. Uh, yeah. Ultima, you can also get a lot of, I think, in Ultimecia's Castle, too. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, so you go in and you fight Idea and Cypher here, and I think this is the spot where if you have Odin... No, it's not till No, Pan, uh, Lunatic Pandora. You're yeah. right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But do you draw... I can never remember. Do you draw something from Adea here? Alexander. Oh, okay. Yeah, this okay. is how you get Alexander. I can never remember. Um, yeah, so you defeat them. Uh, Idea collapses, and then Renoa starts acting weird and kind of... Pick Cypher up, right? Yeah. And you don't, you know that they talk, but you don't know what they say. Yeah. Um, and and this is just like collapses. Too. Right. And this is going to be a point later on. And you, you know, something is wrong with Renoa. Yeah. Because when she falls unconscious, Idea wakes up and she's matron again. She's like, yo, it's me, your homeboy from. The orphanage, <laughs> and she and she looks at all the all the chill all the the seed members, and she's like, "My children, you've grown so much. Like, it, you know, it's me, it's Matron. Like, and everybody's like, oh my god, like it is Matron. She's back, you know. But nobody realizes, like, oh no, like Renoa is now possessed. Uh, they just know something is wrong with her." You'd think um, they'd know she's possessed because you'd think the same thing would have happened to Adea before, you know. Like, but they, but they've never seen someone being possessed. But when they go back to Sid, you would have known. You'd think, right? But it's these. This is one of those things where they it's don't Nomura. really <laughs> yeah. fucking Nomura. They they just don't explain stuff. Like yeah. you never get explained what a sorceress actually like is capable of. Maybe like, they can use magic without it being an item. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't go down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. It's 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 weird. They they just do not explain half the shit in the game, which is fine, but at the same time, like if you don't have established rules, how how am I supposed to take it seriously, right? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, but so she also reveals like, okay, you know, I was possessed by Ultimecia. Uh what all the things that you saw me do was not me. I didn't do that. She also explains the like the the plan for time compression, right? Um, and she is wanting to basically take all the powers from all the sorceresses and become a god. Is basically yeah. kind of her plan. Um, and it's at this time where it's like, look. Look, lady, you get one phone call because yeah. this sounds like a bullshit story. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I was possessed the whole time. <laughs> so, like, what if she wasn't? Yeah, no shit. But uh, so, Renoa goes into a comatose state, and this is where like Squall completely flips the script. This is where Squall is no longer the Squall we know. He is yeah. in love. He just now realized it. And, like, I was a dick to her this whole time. Yeah, and he is just stricken with grief. Mm-hmm. And he is trying to find alone. He wants to get to her because he thinks that the only way to save Renoa is to go back in the past to the moment before she becomes possessed and, and play save the her. shitty games that suck ass. 
And wait, what? <laughs> oh, Legend of Lagaya. Yeah, my bad. Uh, Legend of Lagaya reference, everybody. Uh, but they, they, even though Squall knows that the alone cannot technically fix the past, he doesn't care. He is like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna find a way. If anybody's gonna find a way, it's gonna be me." I, I'm saving Renoa. <laughs> but then and that's where you find go the white, to go find the white the white sea okay, ship. Yeah, dude, I got stuck here for months when dude, I was a kid. It's so hard to find. I knew where to look, and I couldn't fucking find it. I couldn't find it at all. I had to ask my buddy, who's who was the one that like told me to get in, like pick up Final Fantasy yeah. Seven, blah blah blah. I was like, dude, where the fuck? And then he eventually he had to come to my house and find it for me. Like they're like he's like it's in it's like near Centra. It's like dude, there's so many little nooks and crannies near Centra. It's like that. It's like that joke about how someone can't find the clitoris. Yeah, I can't find the white seed ship. Yeah, it, the white seed ship is the clitoris of Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a myth. Uh, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> but uh, so they find the white seed ship. After 12 years of searching. And <laughs> yeah, several months. And they tell her, they basically, it was a waste of fucking time because they tell her that Alone... They can't do shit. Yeah, they can't do shit because Alone has gone to Esthar. But somebody's there's got the Shiva card, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, I played so much Triple Triad when I played this, when I play this game. Uh, dude, same here. I played way more Triple Triad this time than I usually do. Did you do, do. The, the King of Queens or the Queen Queen of whatever Queen cards? of Cards? No, uh, but I did do. I did part of it, but I did do the uh, get the Lionheart on like disc one thing. Yeah, yeah, I do that too. Um, so we are about to get into our next Laguna Dream, and probably oh, my right. one of my favorite ones. Uh, because again, he's a bumbling. Idiot sometimes. So I always get the. Uh, is this the one? This is the movie. Oh, okay. See, I always get these out of sequence. Like I can never remember what right. order the Laguna Dreams. So are. do I. I have to write them down, or I have to look at something that tells me. Yeah. So they go to they go to Fish, Fisherman's Horizon, and he goes to the infirmary to visit her. Uh, she's still asleep. He passes out, and he wakes up as Laguna, and you're filming the movie. And dude, it is fucking hilarious because uh, Kiros is supposed to dress up as the dragon, right? And then what happens? He gets chased away by the dragon. No, he? he goes to get in the costume, and then the real dragon shows up, and uh, the director and Laguna are like, "Oh my god, Kiros, you did such a good job. This almost looks real." And then he goes to like film it and fight or whatever, and like the dragon roars or whatever. And he's like, "Damn, yeah. Kiros, you're really like committed to this." Yeah. And then the the realization kicks in with the director, and he takes off running. Right. And then like the princess character like takes off running too. And then like uh, you get to fight it a bit with his gun blade too. Hey, while they're filming still. Yeah, you yeah you get to fight it in like a mini game. Um, yeah, I like that. So and that's you, the movie that Cipher saw. Yes. That is the movie that Cypher saw that made him fall in love. Because if you watch how Laguna holds the gunblade, it's That's like this. Cypher it's, does. It's like this. Gangster. <laughs> and, and fucking 
if you watch Cypher, that's how yeah. he holds it. He holds it like this. Yeah, that was like and his favorite movie growing up. It is up. his favorite movie. And if you look at the library list in it's always like Ballum Garden, rented out. it says the requested items are now in, and it says the Sorceress's Knight is one of the requested items. So you know that Cypher is the one requesting that item. Yeah. And so it's funny how like everything really ties together. And we kind of talked about that in episode one, but I wanted to wait until this moment because this is kind of where the realization kicks in. Yeah. yeah. That, that fucking Cypher is obsessed with being a sorceress's knight and his hero is literally Squall's father. Yeah. It's funny too, because like, Laguna's like literally just doing this movie job for cash on the side kind of thing. Well, and for the experience. Yeah, and it obviously just blows up and becomes this big movie. But nobody knows Laguna as this actor, really. Right. Unless that's why he gets elected. (laughs) It's because he's like famous and stopped Adel. Yeah, pretty much. Uh but imagine, imagine like, the, imagine like Stallone <laughs> showing up and like getting rid of the sorceress and then running for president. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? That's like kind of what the situation is, though. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> so he's actually the, the one of the reasons he's filming it is because he's on a way. He's on his way to Esthar. To save alone, because she got kidnapped by Adele. Right. And, like, he sees the lunatic Pandora in the horizon, right? Yeah. And so, he... Did we already... Did they already do the lunatic Pandora dream sequence? Yes, because that's the one where... They uh, throw him off the cliff and like... Right, they throw him off the cliff, yeah. Yeah. So that's way before, that's like the... I think that's the second dream. Um, so this is where Squall's like, fuck it. I'm taking Renoa to Esthar. He wakes up super early. He thinks he's the only one that's left. He has like this moment where he admits to her that he loves her, but obviously like he doesn't know if she's listening or can listen. He, like he and he's does... wearing her like a cape. Yeah. He's <laughs> like walking down the railroad. I mean, this man is just broken, right? He is just punished as fuck he does not know what to do punished snake he literally just like he's carrying her on his shoulders he stops on the train tracks and he has this moment with her where he's like you know i i love you i don't open up to people i don't i don't know you know how to how to say these things or whatever and he has this really tender moment with her and then like i love these scenes because it really this is where you start to see the shell on squall come off yeah, it's it's like, you know that he kind of always had these feelings, but he doesn't, he's too shy almost to like express them, right? Well, and depending on how you made decisions and stuff throughout the game, you might not feel that this is a huge change in character. Because if you choose the warmer responses to him, or to her, you might say, oh, like, Squall's always flirted with her, Squall's always really liked her, you know? But if you but choose just, like, the colder options... Yeah, then it, it kind of comes... Right, then it kind of comes out of nowhere. And that's that's part of the reason why I don't really like the choice system in this game. Yeah. Because even though it does not change the outcome, it changes your perception of how the of game the works. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think yeah, it really comes down to, like, 
he's just not comfortable like opening up to people. It's not that I I feel like his those feelings were always there for it's her. A, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, because yeah. he lost alone. He's who been was abandoned his big like, sis. twice, basically. Right. Yeah. Like he lost alone as a kid, and well, that's he when lost, he was like his dad dropped him off at an orphanage for fuck's sakes. Right. And then he lost alone, who was his only actual blood relative. Right. And then he ended up getting sent away from the orphanage to go- join Garden and got separated from all his childhood friends too. Yeah. So it's understandable. Like, well, actually, I don't think I don't think Laguna dropped him off. I think Rain died while oh, Laguna was out so adventuring. He went, so he yeah. went. He ended up in the orphanage with alone because she also would be alone because of rain dying um but yeah so i i really like this scene i think it's a good tender moment for squall um we see what's kind of in his mind about it all and then we realize like all of his friends show up and it's like we all love her too like do you not see that we want to help you like we're going to help you get to esthar we're going to help you save her this is kind of like a weaker version of that. Remember that part in Final Fantasy IX? It's like one of my favorite parts in all of gaming. When when Zidane's like in that cell with like Garland and stuff. And then he's like feels like he's just on his own and he's nothing because he's just a puppet or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, all as the battle, as you keep battling the guys, more characters show up. They're backing you and that music like. Fuck man, that part's so powerful. Yeah, but this is this is like kind of like a, that to like a little bit of like a weaker degree. I think but they the, do something similar to that in Final Fantasy X, also. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but that was so yeah. Nine man, maybe it's in uh, Via Perifico. What is that? In uh, where uh, when you're in Bevel and Yuna gets thrown into that dungeon, and then like. I think maybe you have to find the people, but you pick up party members as you go and they kind of like support Yuna through that dungeon. Um, so Idea is with them. And this is a part where you can actually grind the fuck out of everything with her because her level doesn't matter. So if you get her up to a level 100, it doesn't affect anything. Yeah, yeah. So you can kill your other two characters and just draw magic, kill stuff with her. You know, you don't have her for very long. Though, no, you eh? don't. You only have her for like this whole stretch of the game. So you have to really leave here and do what you're going to do. Because when does she leave? When you get to Esthar. Yeah. So it's like, I remember being like, oh, sweet. She joins the party. But the big disappointed that she leaves right away right because it was like it was kind of like i don't know i considering eight final fantasy eight was my first like jrpg since dragon quest four i kind of just assumed that she was going to be like a permanent party member and then yeah yeah she's a really short guest character yeah she is Um, but i think it's just to fill the that character's slot that rhinoa kind of is missing from now Right, and I, I I do love that we played a part in like bringing her and Sid back together too. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, when you get to across the railroad and you get to land, you're like, "What the fuck? There's nothing here. It's just like a salted wasteland." Hey? Yeah. Like, and and then 
do you see the like screen effects right away or no, it's not you, you get through that great bone graveyard you place. see a bit of a glitch and then the, the next screen, or something. yeah and then the in the next screen is where you see like the major stuff yeah and then yeah you go through there and then like you like a hole opens up isn't it and then well, all you, of a sudden, you have a boss fight right there too yeah. I can't think of the name of the boss fight. I just did it too, so I should know it. But it's like that hand and that he's like this kinda Well, it's guy. actually like an actual full bodied skeleton thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh so you make it through there and then like this is one of the coolest FMVs in the entire fucking game. Because all of a sudden the all barrier of a sudden, comes down. Yep, the, the the cloaking device turns off and Esthar is there in all its glory. And it looks this like huge futuristic city. Yeah, it looks like like you know those memes where it says, Oh, uh the world if Final Fantasy thirteen had never been made or something. Yeah, it's like yeah, this yeah, really yeah. futuristic city that shows it does up, you know. Look, yeah, it, it's like it, that yeah. process that like yeah. So it's like Final Fantasy's version of what like the Utopia. future looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you go in, and there's, like, all these pipes that you go through. By the way, this is my least favorite city in the entire fucking game. Yeah, just because navigation is a nightmare. Yeah. It's way too big. Dude, finding where you're supposed to go is a goddamn nightmare, and especially when the lunatic Pandora is going above the city, and you, you have, have to, to, like... You have to find it? Yeah. In each area? Easily yeah. the worst part of the game for me, besides yeah, maybe the prison. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so... Esthar kind of has a little bit of a history. They do not get along with Galbadia at all. Uh, they're more of a futuristic science-based city. Uh, you know, you can tell by their warriors, like, they've got, like, cybernetics. They've got, yeah. you know, a lot more cyber armor, uh, a lot more sleek design. Uh, whereas, like... Galbadia is more like traditional military. They have Galbadia is more like cyberpunk or steampunk. I, yeah, I would say more steampunk. And and Esthar is probably more like cyberpunk type yeah, way. Yeah. Um and so like these these governments just really didn't get along. Well, to be fair, Esthar was being run by a sorceress during right. the sorceress war. Right. right? It so, was the sorceress war, so yeah. they really didn't get along. Um and Galbadia was on the good side back then, but because they got taken over by a sorceress. Right. Well, President Daling, too. Yeah, he was a douche, yeah. Because we gotta we gotta realize like the Sorceress War was 17 years ago. Yeah. Because that's when Squall was born. So like all of this is like kind of led up to this moment. Yeah. Um and so they pretty much since the Sorceress War have been hidden from the world. And this is where yeah. The radio interference started also that caused, like, the reason why the the Dalit mission... Broadcasts. Yeah, the way the television broadcast had to run and everything through the Dalit mission and all that, this is why. Because Esthar cut themselves off from the world, and that caused, you know... basically. Right. And... So... We'll get into a little bit more of that, because there is more to it than just that, but we'll get into that for a little bit. But let's just say that that is what happened, basically. Um, but Idea wants to go here because she wants to talk to Dr. Odine, which this guy is fucking hilarious in a really weird way. He's a but, fucked up dude, though. Yeah. So he is one of those like scientists where it doesn't matter 
what so side he's, he's technically on and what yeah. reason he has. If it is for he, science, he is going to do it. And it's also like, yeah, it doesn't, he doesn't matter what, how mean or grotesque of whatever he has to do to run his experiments. He's still going to run them. Right. And it shows because like at one point he is on Adele's side. Yeah. He works for Adele and he is okay with that. Yeah. But then once like, the new regime comes in and Adele's been then defeated he's for them. He works for them and he's okay with that too. As yeah. long as he is able to do his experiments, he doesn't give a fuck what side he's on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I like Dr. Odine. Did you notice that he has a German accent? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause it's totally, that's how then I was just about to say, that's how the Nazi scientists and stuff. Exactly. Almost all of them got hired out by like fucking the United States, like England. That's the that's the first thing I thought of when I yeah. when I saw his character was this guy is likely supposed represent, to represent like yeah. a, a Nazi scientist back in the day. Yeah, um, and it makes sense too because like during the war, he worked for the bad guys. Yeah, and now that he is. Now that the war's over, he's working for the good guys. So it's, it is kind of a good reference. And it is funny that he does have like a German accent added on top of it. So, uh, he kind of explains more. He actually, so the device that, um, Ultimisia uses to come back to the past is actually Dr. Odine's invention. It's it's like the Odine machine or something. It's the junction machine alone. Oh, he named right. it after alone because he had to use something from her in order to develop it. Yeah, isn't it? he he studied her brainwaves, and that's how Ultimisia knows about alone because of the machine. So if he never would have made that machine, all of this would have been prevented. For the most part, yeah, it seems like. Um, but so they fall asleep again. As they arrive in Esthar, shocker, and we see where Laguna has been taken captive. He was held in forced labor in the Lunatic Pandora Laboratory. Uh, he saves alone in Doctor Odine's lab. Oh, right, I forgot right. about that part. And because this is where he was researching her time travel stuff, like yeah. this is where the seeds of his machine began. Um, yeah. So busts her out. Yeah, and it's funny because we we see Odine as this bad guy, and then immediately he's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, he's helping you. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. so weird because they do it right, right after. Away. Right, it's like yeah, boom, bad guy, boom, good guy. Yeah, and they never really. He's never really a good guy or a bad guy. Like, right, I, I consider him probably a bad guy at the end of the day. I think morally. He's questionable. He's a shitty person. Yeah, yeah. Morally, he's questionable, but... But he's useful. His 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 loyalties don't lie in a nation, but in yeah. science. Yeah. Whether that be good or bad, it it he's unapologetic to yeah. a fault. Um, so, we also find out about Adele... And how she has been locked away in space, uh, which is the reason why the radio frequency is de- is the way it is. Her nice. s- her space capsule and all of that has caused all of this like weird interference. 
But also, back to the point that I made in episode two where we talked about Timber and the video screen, she is sending messages to people. That's that. coming from her fucking casket thing. Right. Um. So, yeah, it's... But that casket's made to, like, completely, like, suppress her power and all that, hey? Right. So, Alone is now on a lunar base. And so the party is basically like... Squall is like, I am taking Renoa to see alone. So they go to yeah, right, they go to the lunar base. Because I was like, I can't remember why does he bring her like dead ass body to space <laughs> to, to see alone because she's up there. Um Yeah, the, the moon... I like the uh the the launch sequence, how yeah. it's like a big ramp that they shoot yeah. up into space. And so they go up there, and a lot of people don't know this in the games world anyway, like we obviously know it, but the true purpose of the space station is to basically keep Adele in check because they mm-hmm. do not want her getting out. Because number one, she's been asleep for 17 years in this casket with nothing but time to think about all the shit that they put her through and the tricks they put her through and the fact that Laguna fucking tricked her and knocked her into this coffin and now she has had nothing but time but to be angry about this. Um so they keep her in check. Uh, they they do this to keep her from passing on her sorceress powers because that was what she was doing in the first place anyway. Was kind of yeah. like, and that's why they steal her, her instead of kill her too, right? Right. Because then she can't pass on her powers. Right. Yeah. Because uh, to die, a sorceress has to to pass on her powers first. So, um, they this is when the the lunatic Pandora, uh, comes out too. Uh, basically what it is so there's something that happens every like a number of years it's like a long period of time called the lunar cry and it's when like all the so there's monsters on the moon and that's how like the monsters get on the main planet is like from the moon from these lunar cries so every like i don't know i'm just gonna say 100 years or 50 years or something the monster population on the moon reaches a point where they all like gather at this point on the moon and fall to the main planet. I don't know, Gaia or earth or I don't know. What yeah. Called, whatever it's made. called. And, uh, and it leaves like this horrible, like le- damages the planet big time. And then there's like huge, like a, in a surplus of monsters on the planet. Well, I'm but, like, pretty sure that's what destroyed Sentra. Yeah. I was just going to say that. That's why Sentra is like in like all those like shatters and stuff. Like it's all fucked up. That's what that spot near Travia, there's like that giant crater. I think that was like the first lunar cry or the first man-made lunar cry. And what Lunatic Pandora is, is it's basically a mobile fortress that acts as like a targeting mechanism for the lunar cry to go through. And it's it can force a lunar cry so they don't have to wait this hundred years. Yeah, it can, it can artificially trigger one, which is dangerous, yeah. to say the least. Like, it's, it is a weapon. Um, yeah. And she is going to Adele wanted to use it as a weapon, um, but they obviously they they got rid of her. They sank it to the bottom of the ocean, and that's kind of where like you know who it's, raises it's, it, Cipher. Cipher, yeah. Uh, so Cipher, you know, raises it as part of Ultimicia. You know, that's her idea to to start all this is to to cause a lunar cry. Um. 
the party goes in there, but then they get kicked out by this giant fucking robot. And uh, I forgot about this, and I, when I was playing the remaster, I thought I fucked up. Is it that Delta white thing with the two yeah, pods? Yeah, it's like a winged thing. It's like, yeah, it's really yeah. weird looking, yeah. Um, you went in there right at the beginning? You have to, with Zell. Oh, do you? I thought it was I thought it was when you go in there with the full party. Yeah, no, you go in there like three times. Uh, uh, once in the Laguna Dream, once with... Uh, Zell. Zell, and then once with the entire party. Um, right, so while while Squall is in space, the ground party is like trying to chase down Lunatic Pandora, right? Right. Because it's going through it's going across the city the city. of Esthar. Yeah. yeah. And it ends up at the Sorceress Memorial, or not Memorial, the... Uh, it's like a memorial for the war, isn't it? Yeah, Sorceress but I can't remember war. what the fuck it's called. I can't but, remember. But, uh... You get a ring there. Sol- is it Solomon's ring? Is yeah, it's the it's... it's the Doom Train ring. Doom Train ring. Yeah. yeah. So we find alone on the lunar base. She like says that, or Squall tells her, "Hey, I've recovered my childhood memories. I know who you are now. I, you know, I'm sorry I didn't remember you." And then he he gets right into it. He's like, "Send me back to the past. I'm going to save Renoa. Th- this is what I came here to do. You are going to help me." I don't care what you say about not being able to change the past. I'm going to figure out a way and I'm going to do it. Yeah. So she, she does it. She does send him to the past and he, but this it's, it's not till a little bit later. Cause I think he, he finally, he begs her to do yeah. it after, after the fact. Um, but, and it's a short one, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's he very can, short. He can't even really do anything, right? It's it's basically just to see, like, if he can take control or something, like direct control or influence, right? But he also, it's basically just to see her memories is is what he's trying to do too, right? Um, but Ultimicia ends up taking control of Renoa's body and just kills everybody. Yeah. Except Squall. Yeah. He just bounces off of her. Everybody else basically dies. Like You get launched. I remember doing yeah. it like 500 times, too. Yeah, same. And, and so, like, like, she's got that white aura It's like that carry kind of, like, where she's, like, yeah. just blasting people away. It's almost, like, it's almost like a scene out of, like, Aliens or something where, like, obviously not, like, the horror aspect of it, but the... It's almost just ominous and scary, like because you're in space alone. All the people that are like officials that could, that could like solve problems are getting killed left, right, and center. Right. And you're like trapped on this space station, basically. Right. And so she actually unlocks the airlock, part, part of Adele's airlock. Oh yeah. But she has to go into space to get the other part of the airlock. And earlier in the in the scene, uh, or in this segment you see the president go out there and and make sure that the lock is secure right right earlier in the scene but you don't know who the president is yet right and i forgot so there's about some that. yeah there's some because they're like the president's out there checking the lock on right. Adele's coffin basically yeah. and so uh they she goes out there she opens the seal Ultimicia basically leaves Renoa's body and the lunatic Pandora triggers the lunar cry. 
Yeah. And the Lunar this, Cry hits Adele's coffin, right? And right. It spins it, it towards it, Earth. Yes. This is where I have a huge fucking problem with where this game goes. And do you want to know why? Yeah. If the Lunar Cry... These are billions of monsters, right? Yeah, yeah. Pouring All into the planet. Pouring into the planet right above where this where you get the Solomon ring, right? Right above yeah. the the city, right above, you know, the lunatic Pandora. Centra was destroyed by the last lunar cry. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah, I think I wanna say it's because Actually, I know it's because of this. It's because the last lunar cry wasn't that long ago. Because remember the like Centra was destroyed by a natural lunar cry. And that only happens like once every hundred years or so. So the buildup of monsters wouldn't have been enough to destroy the the land. And then keep in mind there was also that man-made lunar cry near near uh Trabia. So the the time in between lunar cries would have been so much smaller than it is naturally, and that's why. Oh, I can't hear you. All of a sudden, did you mute your mic? Sorry. There yeah. we go. <laughs> I I would agree with you, but if you look at the size of that lunar cry, it is massive, and there are so many monsters in there, right? Yeah. But you don't see any repercussions of that. None. No you increase in no increase in monsters. No I think mo- there is. No mo- then there's the monsters are in the city now. The monsters no, are not. harder on the world map. I don't believe that there are any in the city. I believe it's No, because uh, I remember I remember um I think it's soldiers. No, no, there's definitely those those cheetahs and stuff. Is there? And Iron Giants. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think that's in Lunatic Pandora. No, you know what? I could be thinking, because you know how you can walk on the city streets before you're in the city? Yeah. I I might be thinking of that. There is a segment, I think, where there are, where the city has been kind of attacked or something. Yeah. Or where, like, the transit system's not working. But I remember the monsters being harder after the Lunar Cry. But I want to say it's because Galbadia is there, if I remember right. Um, but I, I don't remember. But I feel like there is not a big... There's not a, as big of an outcome as I was hoping there would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the Lunar Cry. Because like, you've heard about it and how decimating it can be. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel like it did much at all. Um. So Adele is kind of back in. She somehow lands in. I guess if the flow of monsters are going through Lunatic Pandora, right. I guess it would drag her yeah. off and through. But um, then you get the whole space sequence. Right. Where Which, Renoa is like just drifting and Squall goes out the airlock after her, right? Yeah. Um. It's so they're they're evacuating the lunar base. Uh and they they all kind of put on spacesuits, and then Squall's like, "I'm going after her. Mm-hmm. Don't try to stop me." And so, like, while he's there, alone, sends him back in time. He figures out that Renoa was possessed by Ultimecia back at Galbadia Garden, 
That's why she like went crazy like that's that. why she went crazy at Galbadia. That's why she revived Cypher. That's why that's who ordered him to go to Lunatic Pandora. Uh, that's what she would have whispered to him, right? That's yeah, that's what she yeah. whispered to him. And in that scene where where they show her memories, you actually get a flash of Ultimicia. Right. Of, so that's yeah, how you know yeah. you see her like flash real quick. And then she's like, "What are you looking at?" Yeah, that was creepy because yeah. that's when alone takes you back to the that part in time, right? Right. And then you're like, you can see Ultimicia, and then she like faces the camera. That right. was fucking eerie, man. Yeah. So because. Up until this point, like no, like you shouldn't. Nobody knows that we're inside of Laguna. Nobody knows that we're viewing the past, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Sorcerer Ultimicia, uh, Ultimicia is like transfers to Rhinoa, and you're like, you always have like that internal dialogue, yeah, of, where it's like the clear boxes of what you're thinking and the parentheses when you're possessing, yeah, when you're yeah. in the past there. And it's like you're not really physically there. You're just mentally there, right? And they can kind I'll, of feel you because yeah, Laguna, yeah, Laguna feels you. Yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden for Altamicia to just be like, what are you looking at? And it's like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, it's fucked and that's up. The first, that's the first part where you're like, A, now she knows you're fucking onto her. B, that's the first part where you're like, okay, like you heard how fucking powerful and terrifying this bitch is. Now this is the first time you kind of get to experience like right. her power. And her I think this is the I think this is the first time you see her physically too. I think it is. I think you're right because you don't really see her at all until yeah. late, they, late in the game. Fuck man, they just nailed that part. They really me. did. Yeah. Um. So Squall does catch her if you if you time it right. That is. Um. Yeah, what and, happens if you don't? Do you just game over? Uh, it re it redoes it. Oh, <laughs> I've never not caught her, but I was always well, I've always been stressed out. Well, I failed that too. So did you? Yeah. Uh, so this is another part that really bothers me. As much as I love the Ragnarok, this part bothers me. Yeah, where they just like b per chance drift into this derelict ship. Right, and it all it feels like such an ass pull that that ship just happened to be there 17 years later. Right, and it was like lost, wasn't it? Right, ship? it was lost. They they had yeah. no contact with it for 17 years. They didn't even really care to have contact with it. They just left it. They're like, fuck it, it's lost. And it just happens to be right where Squall and Renoa are in space for them to sit, get saved. Right. Yeah, and like I could see, I could see Renoa getting. Because she gets kind of blasted off of the uh, fucking coffin from the the lunar tier lunar right. cry, doesn't she? Yeah, I believe but, so. But so she could be pretty far, maybe from the space station. But Squall can't get very far, so obviously they're not very far. So how the fuck has nobody seen the Ragnarok in all this right. time? Like your little jetpack on your spacesuit is not well, going to go take you very far. Look at look at. Uh... You know, obviously the lunar base has been out there. Yeah. So how is the lunar base not seen? Exactly. The Ragnarok. How is people? How have people that have gone out to Adele's coffin and not and, seen and, it and off in the you distance know, and not seen it, but somehow yeah. at this very moment where they need an a, a a rescue or something to save them, 
here comes the fucking Ragnarok out of fucking nowhere. Which is, like, probably my favorite airship of all time. It is statistically impossible for this to happen. And yet, and I know... Just gotta believe. Dude, I know I'm talking shit about a fantasy game where nothing has to make sense. I know, but there's still... But it it bothers me. Yeah, no, understandable. So but it's the Ragnarok, baby. Right, the Ragnarok is fucking awesome. It remind you know what it reminds me of, and I almost kind of I, the swordfish from Cowboy Bebop, but it's well, got claws. Actually, I want to look something up real gun. quick. I think because, the, the swordfish had that minigun too. Well, I want to look this up because uh, there is a show that I think came out before Final Fantasy VIII. And it's an anime, and when I say it, it's going to click. But, so, Final Fantasy VIII came out in... It was 98. 99, actually. Oh, was it? Yes, oh, 1999. Remember. So did Final Fantasy IX also come out in 99? I don't remember. Let me look. Uh, 2000. Uh. So, Outlaw Star... Came out in 1998, right? Right. Uh, what's crazy about that is, is that so? Well, actually, the first episode aired in 2001, but I believe uh, the manga was in 98. And in that show, the ship that they use, the Outlaw Star, looks like. The Ragnarok a little Does bit. Does it? And it has grappler arms. Oh, really? And the Ragnarok has grappler arms. So I thought, like, maybe the the creators of Final Fantasy VIII... Oh, it does kind of look the same. Yeah, it kind of it kind of looks that. like the Ragnarok a little bit. Yeah, um, it does. And it has the grappler arms. I always arms. thought it looked like the, sword fi- the swordfish from uh, Cowboy Bebop. I didn't watch much Outlaw Star because, to me, it felt like a, a not as good version of Cowboy Bebop, and I saw Cowboy Bebop first. Right. So. so they get on the Ragnarok. They have to fight a little bit to get through to the cockpit and everything. Okay, so this part was fucking awful because <sighs> which part of it? The aliens, the fighting the aliens part. Yeah. Because I didn't know. So I was every time I fought it ran into an alien, I fought the alien. And I was like, okay, let's go to Oh, now there's a fucking alien blocking this door. So I'd fight that alien. But then the alien I just fought would come back. So you have to kill the two red aliens in sequential and then the order. Two green and then the two purple and then the two yellow. You know, I actually and, did this on accident in my really? rem- in my remastered playthrough, I did this on accident. Because I was like, why aren't these these spawning anymore? Because I was I was actually spamming like, just attacking whoever was there. Well, I was spam grinding them because they give oh. decently good AP. Yeah, they do give good AP. So I was spam grinding them, and then all of a sudden they stopped showing you up. Accidentally, and I was oh. like, I was like, wait a minute, why are they not showing up anymore? So I looked it up, and they're like, oh, you have to kill them in sequential order. And I was like, fuck, how did I do that on accident? <laughs> Dude, when I was a kid, I was. This is another place that I was stuck for a long time. And then, yeah, I had to ask my friend. I was like, dude, these a- the aliens keep coming back. And this is also, so this playthrough was where I got stuck in Ultimacia Castle because I hit high levels because I was stuck here, like, fighting these guys forever. 
You know, and what's funny, I think, and a lot of old games do this, not so much new games because they kind of handhold you a lot, but I feel like RPGs and like older PS1 games and stuff like that did not tell you where the fuck to go. A lot of times. Like a lot of times you had to really just figure it the fuck out because there was no internet, there was no like, there were strategy guides, but like if you didn't have one, like... And I think it was because it was that sweet part in time. Like, because on the NES or Super Nintendo, if you played a JRPG, well, guess what? You got, uh, you talked to all the town folks. There's only, you only have access to this new, one new town, right? So you don't have to scour the fucking globe to figure out where to go next. Um, and then your next location, you're go- only going to have one or two options of places you haven't been yet, right? Yeah. Where, Whereas on the PS1, that's where it starts like, oh, I left town. Now there's all these different places I can go to. There's too many NPCs I can talk to to try and figure out where to go. So that's, I think, why that happened, started happening more on the uh, on on the PS1. It, it did definitely happen on the PS2, and it happened on the NES. But usually on the NES, you there was so little amount of characters for you to talk to that you could figure it out, and there were so little options to go to that you could fit you could eventually figure it out right but yeah i i yeah i feel you it's one of those things where like this part was a little weird now there's nothing that ever explains it i don't think unless there's like a diary in the ship somewhere maybe like i don't remember i don't don't remember remember either um but once you get through that you guys start somehow how do you fly it you get in the cockpit. cockpit. You get in the cockpit, and I think you like send out a signal to to they, get contact. Yeah. The radio goes off, and they're like, "Oh my god, the Ragnarok! The Ragnarok! Oh my god!" You know, like obviously for a, a nation that has not gotten a hold of the ship in seventeen years, and radio hasn't worked in seventeen years, like this is kind of a big deal. But at the same yeah. time, like the fucking lunar cry just happened and this guy has all he cares about right now is the ragnarok like yeah yeah so and they kind of like autopilot it guide you down don't they? yeah they they say there's enough fuel for them to get home so just you know click it in and and let's go you know yeah this is where squall and renoa finally have that moment where they can be alone with nobody around and Squall goes back to the way he was mm-hmm. while she was awake the first time. And I, a lot of people don't like this. I do. Because I kind of don't, because I feel like this is where he could really be like pouring it out. But at the same time, I'm kind of like that in real life. Like, like, I'll be like, oh my God. Like, like, for example, I have so many of my friends' parents who I would like to just call one day and be like, thank you for being there for me. Because, like, my my dad passed away when I was really young. Um, I wasn't close with my mom at all when I was, like, in, in high school and stuff like that. Like, I stayed at – I just stayed at friends' houses all the time. And I've always wanted to just call and tell my friends' parents, like, how much I appreciate them, like, raising me and, and making me who I really am today. Um, but, and, and I always get like this and I'm like, man, like this is something I need to do. Cause one day they're not going to be here. Right. And they're not going to ever hear this from me, but then next whenever I'm with them or whatever, uh, it's never, it's something that I just can't bring myself to do. Like, it's just too awkward of a conversation for me to have and with, with them. 
And, and so like, I totally understand it, but at the same time, it pisses me off that it happens in the game. Well, I, I like it because here's the thing. Squall knew that when she was in a coma, she was not going to talk back to him. So he could let out all the feelings he's had for all these years built up. He could let them out for the first time in a long time yeah. to, to someone that was just basically listening, kind, kind of listening, but not really, but someone that he knew was not going to judge him Yeah, because she wasn't going to be able to talk to him. And now that he has her and she's there in front of him, he reverts back to protecting himself because she's no longer someone that will just listen. Yeah. She's going to have her own things to say. She's going to have her own, like he feels if he gets close to her, that he is vulnerable again. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't want to be vulnerable with a person that can talk back to him. Yeah. And it scares him. So he reverts back to the old squall. And I, I like that because it, it stays in line with his character. Yeah, it's real. It makes it more real. Right. I mean, I have been like that before where like I want to say something, but I know that I'm just looking for somebody to listen. I don't want feedback because I'm just trying to process my own feelings. Right. And so when he goes through that, he's like, he he kind of he puts the shell back on and i totally get that yeah i i do kind of wish that like they had had that kiss they they had done what they you know what everybody thought they were going to do especially yeah. especially cuz eyes on me the vocal version is playing in the background yeah that's and like the whole flight back and like this is their song like yeah. yes it's about it's from Julia to Laguna but their kids are now living the life that they wanted with each other. Yeah, that's true. Hey, does Rhinoa know that Julia is her mom and that Julia wrote this song? Yeah, because I think she mentions that her mom died. But why wouldn't she mention that this was like her mom's song? Cuz I think the song is being played for us. I don't think it's actually playing on the ship. Oh, do you know what I, I mean? It is. I think it is. Because no, because doesn't the guy doesn't the guy say here we'll play some music or something? No, while you come back, I thought he does say. No, something I don't. Like I that. don't believe so. Um, because I, he's I, like, I can't stay on the line with you or whatever this whole time. So I'm just no. I don't. You to a radio I don't, station or something. I don't believe so. Oh, okay. Well, how would they have music prepared? There hasn't been radio frequency in 17 years. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, I I think it's it's literally just for us as the player as kind of like a mood music. Okay. And like that song's playing and everybody's like, "Oh my god, this is it. This is finally going to happen." Like, yeah. And then they completely just subvert your expectations and now it's doesn't it, she like fall asleep in his lap kind of thing though? She she or no, he tells her to buckle up. <laughs> yeah, he tells her to buckle up. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. So she's like falling asleep in his arms. And yeah. He's like, We're getting close to Earth there, bud. Yeah. You better buckle up. <laughs> you don't want to get hurt, you know? 
Yeah. So, uh, it. They contact the Ragnarok and they tell her that she needs to basically go into custody. Right. Land. And Renoa goes along with it. She's like, okay, I need to do this because I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to yeah. be like Adea and hurt the people I love because I get possessed. So she agrees to go with them. And then finally Squall like accepts it. And then as soon as they land, he freaks out. Yeah. And like, fuck this. What did we do all this for? Yeah. Right. And so he goes and he, he rescues her from the sorceress memorial and they go, they take the Ragnarok and they go to Idea's house. And this is where we see another great scene between the two. Um, Oh, where he, he, he promises to be her knight. Yeah. And this is where like, the cycle of things continues like yeah sorceresses need a knight because and i believe idea is the one she explains that most sorceresses that do not have a knight become evil because the Darn the knight the knight is there to basically ground them kind of keep them to ground them to be their rock to support them and so we kind of see this because Sid was Idea's knight, basically. Right. And when Ultimecia possessed her, she no longer had a knight because Ultimecia does not have one. Right. And so. Well, like a cipher, technically, I guess. Well, yes, but, but not. But it's kind of like picked up along the way. It, it kind of has to be someone that the sorceress loves. Yeah. And that's where we see the concept of a sorceress's knight being twisted for for evil purposes because just to recruit Cypher. Right. Cypher wants to be a sorceress's knight, but he doesn't know what that means. Yeah. He just sees it as a status he symbol. That, he knows what it means in like the entertainment co- like context. Right. It's a status symbol. Context. Yeah. And so Ultimecia takes him as her knight, but not really because she doesn't love him. Like, there's no emotional attachment to him for her. But Sid was for Idea. You know, Squall is for Renoa. And if you notice, Adele was evil and had no knight. That's true. So it kind of all comes full circle here. And this is also where we see the flower field scene. And. Where they, like, promise if something happens that this is where they'll always meet up. Yes, and that plays into the opening FMV of the game. Yeah, and the end, like, near the ending. Right, where at the beginning we see all these different weird things kind of in play, almost like a dream sequence. And Renoa is in the flower field in the beginning, and we don't realize that this is actually Squall talking. Squall says, if you look for me here, I'll be here waiting for you. I thought when I played this game initially that it was, that it was Renoa, but it wasn't, it was Squall making this promise. So you know what I'm thinking right now that I've never thought before 
at the intro when he's sparring with um cypher him and cypher are sparring what if because eventually he goes through time compression all these memories are hitting him during the sparring and that's how they like he fucks up and gets hurt and that could be that that's and that's so the cut the opening cutscene isn't just you know this is cool shit that'll happen that's the time compression hitting him at that point in time and it very well could be there i think there are some actual theories on that oh and, and it it does make sense and it's kind of like you're seeing things like past present and future yeah because that that flower scene doesn't happen till this late in the game yeah, yeah. So everything that's but been these are set all up, like important parts in his right. life, and yeah, in his life. So, you know, it's like that flower field scene that's in the very opening part of the game is now coming into play. Yeah, and like I said, I thought that it was Renoa talking, and then you find out like this is literally a quote from Squall. He says yeah, yeah. all of this stuff in his dialogue in the flower field scene here at the orphanage. Um, so they make the promise they will find each other here should the moment arise. And this, this will come up a little bit later. Um, Esthar contacts the Ragnarok with a message wanting to hire Squall and party for the last seed mission. Uh, they go to the presidential palace and guess who we find is the president of Esthar, Laguna Luar. He is and the one. Lord, one of his like. Yes, and so is Kiros. Oh, Kiros is. I couldn't remember if Kiros was there too. Yep. So, Laguna saved Esthar from Adele and stopped the Sorceress War himself. He tricked her into getting into the that like sealed Sorceress Memorial. Thing. He knocks her into the coffin. They put her into space, and. He, the the lovable loser, the unlikely hero, saves the fucking world again by being in the right place at the right yeah, time really. and just getting super lucky. Well, because he was only in that city, too, to rescue alone, wasn't he? Yes. And then he just, yeah, he was there when... Well, Did, and they doesn't he do like a side deal with Odin to create that thing? I can't remember how I they. I don't. I don't remember how they start the machine. I think he just does it on his own. Um. But. Yeah, so Laguna had planned to go to like had go back to Windhill with alone, uh. Like, but because Rain died, Rain had or squall and alone went to the orphanage and because laguna felt obligated to stay in esthar and help fix the country he stayed and didn't realize that alone and squall had gone to the orphanage he didn't i don't even think he knew about squall yeah uh until much later and uh so well even when you meet him he doesn't realize you're his son at all well don't he, people just mention that you guys look alike well he does say though we have a lot to talk about when you get back oh uh, so he knows he just doesn't bring it up to right he doesn't bring it up immediately and then if you talk to kiros he says or no no no. if you talk to ward 
he has the dot, 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 dot. And then Kiros translates basically and says, uh, Ward says, at least you don't look like your father or something like right. that. Or, or, or right. some, okay. something like that, right? Something, which yeah, which yeah. is weird because all of the Moombas recognize you as Laguna. As Laguna, yeah. Um, but it it really sucks because like Laguna was so loyal to people to a fault that not only did he miss out on having his family like he wanted, but then the woman that he loved died. Yeah, he never does get to spend he, like his time with her. He never gets that family that he wanted. Yeah. And that'll that'll come into play again later too, but um it, This it is just, where they come up with the time compression plan too, right? right? Yeah, and this is the part too that I as much as I hate to admit it, it works. Yeah. Laguna basically does a fucking My Little Pony Nomura esque power of uh, friendship is power. Like, I'm going to explain time compression to you and the basically how you get around time compression and how to survive it is that you have yeah. to think of your friends and your friends have to remember you and, you know, friendship is power. And, and yeah, all. but honestly, it, but it this, works. It, this context alone, it, it makes sense, right? It works because it, you'd lose yourself. You all right. have to go in it together. You all have to remember each other because if one person forgets someone, they're gone. They never existed, right? right. So this is where it, it makes sense. Like as much as people are like, ah, the stupid powers, friendship, but but it, this time, like it really like it makes sense. Well, and it also tests their bond too because of the guardian forces. Yeah, like these guys forgot who they were, and now their bond is being tested by time compression. And if anybody's bond fails to materialize. It could be catastrophic to the party. Absolutely, yeah. So it shows that evolution in character for everybody, including Squall, that if you rely on your friends like you have chosen not to your entire life, that is going to be your saving grace. Yeah. It's the only thing that'll get you through it. But you have to believe in them, and they have to believe in you. And that's the thing that like finally shows Squall has broken through, that now he is ready to rely on other people like he's never been able to. And I think, yeah. to me, they nailed that part. I, As much as I fucking hate to admit it, they nailed yeah, that, they that part really well. Um, Does Squall rescue Rhinoa after he talks to Laguna? No, it's before. Because, yeah, he just, like, busts her out, and then you get that scene where she's, the flower like, scene out of the... Yeah. Out of the chamber, and then he, like... Falls into his arm. She yep. falls into his arms, and then that's when they the... go. That's when they go to the orphanage. They have the flower oh, scene. Okay, and then, okay. Yeah, right, everything right. that I say is going to be in sequential order. Yeah. So this, it's going to be like a timeline of events, basically how it comes, right? Yeah. So anything from now on is going to be in sequence. This is also when you have like free reign of the Ragnarok. You can do all the cool side quests. Like, right. There's that little alien guy because there's like the Windhill in one of those monster magazines. There's this Windhill alien yep. UFO thing. The pew pew right? or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Poo poo or yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the Oval also Lake. In, 
Yep, there's one of the magazines. And I love it because it's like these fucking little magazines you can find. And they tell about all these urban legends. Yep. You can go and like actually find all of them. I did all the Chocobo the for us too. Oh, I don't know. I guess I would have done that when I got my Platinum Trophy. Because you got I, the, the Chocobo uh, Summon. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. And Wait, then Chocobo um, Summon or? There's a Mog one and a cho- yeah. oh, Choco Mog, I think it is. is no, that's, it is. In, that's in 7. Oh, well, you get something. Yeah, I think you get Chica, <laughs> but it's only or... in the it's only in the uh, it's only in the remaster because in the original you had to play choke the pocket Choco world game. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So but yeah, you could do that. You could do the Shumi village where you find out that, that Shumis the, uh, evolve into Moombas. Yeah, which is hilarious because Shumis are like these super wise, like got like ancient beings basically that like craft things and like do cool shit and then and then yeah when they basically ascend they turn into like these little lion doggy guys sort of they actually do explain that depending on what is in a shumi's heart when they die right determines what they'll turn into determines what they turn into so if they're happy or they're like they're good people or whatever they'll turn into moombas but in norg's case they actually say we're not sure what he'll become because Norg's heart is different than that of a normal Shumi. Right. So they kind of go back and tell you, like, hey, Norg was one of us, but he wasn't really one of us. Yeah. Um, he uses intelligence to basically become some capitalist, like... Right. The only guy. reason I liked the Shumi village side quest was because of the lore. Yeah, The same. actual side quest kind of sucks. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, I agree. I liked the Chocobo Forest because it was fairly easy to do. Uh, uh, the Jumbo Cactuar that you yes. can see. You can see him from like the world map popping up and stuff. Which was super easy to do too. Yeah, and then you go fight him and it's this giant Cactuar with a little fucking French mustache. Well, and Cactuar Island is the best grind spot in the game. Yeah, because of all the AP because Cactuars give you massive AP. They give you Massive AP, and they give you no experience. No EXP. Yeah. So you get Cactuar from there. I liked uh, getting Odin. Yeah, Odin. This I liked Sentra. I actually side quest too. I actually I got him way earlier. I think so I did I. Correctly. I actually really liked Bahamut's this time. I didn't when I Dude. did it before, but I really liked it this time. Uh, I and always then, loved it. Because what is it? It's like an abandoned research base, right? It's the DC Research Center, yeah. DC, Deep Sea, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go in, and it's like this pulsing light, and it's you basically play fucking red light, green light with yeah. Bahamut. <laughs> and you have to answer these, like, questions. And then you fight him, and if you beat him, you get Bahamut, who is, like, the second most powerful summon in the game. Yep. And then you have and- to go downstairs... Yeah, you have to use the steam. You have to, yeah, you have to do the steam thing. And if you get that, you fight Omega Weapon. And I think Uh, I think that one's Ultima Weapon. The one in Ultimusia Castle is Omega. Yeah, it's it's one of the two. But you get Eden from there. Yeah, and And Eden is like this ancient garden, basically. Yeah, is like a weapon. Which I love the 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 cutscene and everything. I love the the, like the lore of it because like garden seed garden of eden like yeah 
It's like, uh, yeah, it's so powerful, but the cutscene's like 20 minutes. And it's the it's the it. guardian force in the game that has Devour, so it has another right. like biblical reference to it also. So it's it's really oh, cool. Oh, I never even thought of that, because that's where they ate the apple or whatever. Right, right? exactly. So they it's, you know, they devour or whatever. And it, it's funny, because the cutscene for Devour is like this. It's, what is it? It's like a censored It's like thing. standby yeah. soon or something. Yeah. But. And it's like a flower field or something. Yeah, because yeah. it's too gross. Yeah. Because they're devouring the monsters and enemies alive. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really liked some of the side missions. The Obel Lake one I didn't do. I've uh, done it, but and it's not very good. It's really tedious, and you don't yeah. get very much out of it. Um, it's basically, if I remember correctly, it's like a monkey or something that lives in the woods is what it is yeah, the I whole think, time. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, you... <sighs> You find out that, like, alone survived the 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 thing. She she got out in a escape pod, and Galbadia now has her in the lunatic Pandora. Um, they also reveal like Ultimecia has the junction machine alone that Odine created. So in the future, she has this machine that she's using to come back in time to possess people. They don't really explain how she's able to possess people. And that's one thing that really bothers me about this whole game is like... But didn't she like spend years mastering that ability? But they don't really tell you that. Like I thought I thought that's what it was. That's that's the problem I have because all of this stuff that they introduce in like the last fifth of the game just has zero rules or explanations to any of it. And you're just kind of supposed to go with it. Yeah. And like I have the problem with a lot of Nomura and Katase games where they just expect you to just go with it. And my analytical brain can't help myself. And I will analyze the shit out of something and then be like, this doesn't work. Why, why does this, why is this thing? But (laughs) they're literally, and I, I have to credit Mike from resident arc with this because he was talking about something with his Xenogears podcast where he said that, you have to sometimes learn the difference between what is in there to mean something and what is in there because it looks or sounds cool. Yeah, just like a cool little plot device. And while I know that Nomura and Katase in the past have done things where it means something or whatever, a lot of their shit is, I'm putting it in here because it's either funny, it looks cool, or it sounds cool, and you yeah. don't need an explanation. Because but a good I writer finds a way to write that in. Right. Where it fits the story, right, right? and the world. And, and there's no rules or limitations to what a sorceress can actually fucking do. Yeah. And so it bothers me that they introduce all of these things. I feel like, because does it explain what causes time compression? Well, all of, I think it's basically that all sorceresses from all points in time or something like that have to cast the spell for it to work. So that's why she goes back in time and gets the power of all the different sorceresses. Yeah, okay. So that's that kind of what I thought, too. Right. It's, it's, they, don't, they explain it, but it's so such she, like, a fucking... She possesses all of them. And I think that's why when you go through time compression, you fight all these different sorceresses you do, throughout yeah. time. Yeah. Which is cool as fuck, honestly. I thought that was really cool. Right. And and like the machine all their towns and stuff. Right. And And the machine she uses like has limitations. So she's trying to find a loan so she can 
go back even farther. Yeah. Like, it's this weird fucking thing, and it's just... <sighs> but anyways, you find yeah. Lunatic Pandora, you blow a hole in it with the badass Ragnarok, and, like, launch your claws into it, yep. and, like, you, you get into Lunatic Pandora. The I remember the the dungeon itself being a bit of a nightmare my first time through, but now it's fine. Like, it's not that bad. And then you fight Cypher, right? And and it's c- kind of cool because you fight Cypher. Um, does Cypher take Rhinoa, or how does Rhinoa end up getting to Adol? Yes. Cypher takes Rhinoa, I believe. Okay. So you go, you fight Cypher, and this... And is Cypher the end of Disc 3? Or is Adel the end of Disc 3? I want to say it's Cypher. Adele is the end of Disc 3 because you fight her while she's junctioning Renoa. Right, right. So okay. she ends Disc 3. So you fight Cypher, and it's it's a pretty tough fight. And then that's when Odin shows up. And he's like, I'm going to get you, boy. And I remember the first time, because you're like, oh, Odin's a one-hit kill. This is going to be fucking awesome, right? Because you don't know it's like a scripted event if you have right. Odin at this time. And then Odin does like his cool like Zantet skin where he like, that samurai where like I slice through you and you're back there and you're supposed to die. Yeah. Except this time, Odin gets sliced in half and dies. And then you keep fighting a bit, right? And then all of a sudden, Gilgamesh comes. Is it like a sword stabs into the ground and then Gilgamesh comes from the sky? I can't remember how I he think enters. So. And then he's got like that I fucking think there's cardboard like a, I think there's arm. like a thunderstorm going on or something. Right. And then, yeah, all of a sudden Gilgamesh shows up and you're like, holy fuck, it's my boy Gilgi. And he's got, he, he's dead. This is like the most serious you'll ever see Gilgamesh. But then he still has that one cardboard arm yeah. for whatever reason. <laughs> And the so, way Gilgamesh works from this point on is there's a number of random weapons. Because Gilgamesh's whole thing is he wants to be powerful enough to defeat Bart's, right? So he collects all the best weapons throughout all the different Final Fantasies. Mm-hmm. And so it's a random role as to what weapon he's going to use every time he appears. And I had him show up during my um, Omega Weapon fight, and he pulled Excalibur which does one HP damage, and it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I do like Gilgamesh. Um, like, so, their plan... It, it's so weird, because their plan to defeat Ultimecia is actually to let her succeed yeah, to a so certain they point. Her. They're like, okay, you guys are going to let her do time compression. Yeah. And then, when that happens, you're going to defeat, like... So you defeat Adele, time compression starts, and then basically the gist of it is Alone is going to, like... Kind of guide you there. Like, Ultimecia is going to possess Renoa. She's going to send both their minds to the past to to cast time compression. Then Alone is going to sever that link, bring everyone back to their proper times... And that halts the spell. Like, it stops the spell mid-cast so that, like, the party can get to the future, defeat Ultimecia, and then try to make it back. And it's like, there. when I explain it like that, it makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. But in the game, 
It just kind of happens. It right. all kind of just happens. They explain the it, but it's such This is this is where why I say like the last fifth of the game really drops off because it just they it feels like they just fucking said fuck it and was like this is what's going to happen. They kind of make it up as they go. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah. So but you fight an Adel who has Rhino a junction to her chest. Which I remember this being a really hard fight for me too when my first time because this is keep in mind most people on their first playthrough use GFs for everything, right? So I am beating the shit out of Rhinoa every time I cast a summon. And I, I remember like, oh man, I could not beat it for like a long time. Yeah. And it's... then but the cutscene of like a uh, Adel like waking up and stuff, like busting out of the tomb and, and she all is that pissed as really cool. fuck yeah she's badass yeah i do like adele a lot um so yeah you just got like fucking antlers too doesn't yeah. she or some shit? well it's like body armor that i think extends oh uh, okay okay yeah because she's got like this face mask thing too that goes right. around yeah the gene gray face mask. yeah so uh so we talked about going into lunatic pandora um we f- we see Fujin and Raijin again and they're trying to convince him like hey Ultimecia is evil like you need yeah, to come yeah. back to us right and he doesn't and, turn them down yeah he says it's too late and then they're you like know? fuck you then yeah and he takes her he takes Renoa to Ultimecia this is after or you fight yeah, yeah 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 to to yeah yeah sorry and well, technically, Ultimecia is in Renoa's body. Uh, so, you beat Adele. Hopefully, you didn't kick the shit out of Renoa. <laughs> and then that's when time compression starts. Yeah. And, and that shit is awesome. That's an awesome cut. It is. It, it is a trippy, psychedelic fucking thing. Yeah. They did and, a really good job because it's time compression. Like, what would what could you think of that would make, like, what would time compression look like? And right. I think they did a good job of. They it. did, and the other thing too is like when you reach her castle, like when you go and you get to the chains that lead up to her castle, there yeah. are dead like seeds from, everywhere f- from generations in the future showing yeah. up as time is coming together. So you're seeing the death of seed. Yeah, right in front of your eyes, dude. It's so good. It's so cool. Fight, do you fight the sorceress during time compression or once you get to the castle? I think it's during time compression you fight I your way through time. Think you're right. I think you're right. Um, you can also go through these gates on the on the left side yes. of the screen. And I did not know this until yeah. my most recent playthrough. I didn't know you could go back to like the like regular world. And apparently there's, like, limitations to what, like, you can't go in any, like, towns or something, right, apparently. Right, But I didn't know you could go back to the past. I thought you were just stuck. Well, in. I don't think you're you're going back to the past. I think you're going to different areas that are compressed. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Which is why I think you can't get into the city, because it's so Yeah, fucked. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know that until, like, fucking my l- latest playthrough, which was, like, two, three years ago. Yeah. So this is where you get to her castle and awesome castle, by the way, awesome fucking castle. Like it's like, it's like you go from playing this like 
cyberpunk steampunk kind of game um that's like this futuristic final fantasy and then it, it really feels because of this castle it feels like you're back in like a final fantasy 4 setting or a final fantasy 1 setting but yeah. it does it does the castle does get a good job of incorporating like that victorian like it's almost like a castlevania castle like a, like a gothic castle yeah it really i is. love the but theme with like, with like gears and stuff like you know yep. it's fucking great but, but the dungeon itself <laughs> sucks hard balls fuck it hardest sucks final balls. dungeon probably ever so at this point you lose everything you cannot use items you cannot use gfs you cannot use magic you cannot use any of your abilities other than attack basically this is where having the the good weapons in the game really comes into play because yeah. this is where like your magic's gone so you can't junction your guardian forces are gone so you can't junction those like you have nothing you can't yeah. draw magic anything so you have to get through this castle and unlock your abilities and in and, order to unlock each ability you have to beat a boss and right. the bosses are fucking hard and it, and you have like a recommended order that you're supposed to do to get like so you can pick whatever you want yeah. To come back. To a point, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, to come back, yeah. But you have to pick what will work for the next boss. Yeah. So if the next boss is weak to magic, your next fight is going to be hard if you don't revive your magic ability. Yeah. Um. I think almost everyone picks GF or items first. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, but, like, this part... I didn't mind so much in the remaster because I had the speed up feature. Oh, yeah. So I was able to get around everything and, and get through it quicker. And actually, you if get you get to see like, paint, if you, you get to see paintings of like all the different eras and stuff too. Right. You in that one it's, room. it's part of the puzzle in that room. Yeah. And so the, uh, the great thing about it too, is that like, if to get to Ultima weapon or whatever, whichever one it is Omega, in the castle. Yeah. yeah. You have to ring the bell and run to the 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 bell tower or whatever it is, and there's that organ in the back, right? Yeah. Well, if you ring that bell in the in the like the lobby area and you get to that spot, Omega Weapon's waiting for you. Yeah. And on the remastered version, you can do that without having to like do anything special. But I think if oh, really? you don't use the three times speed, there's something special you have to do. I don't remember what it is to get there in time uh, to fight it. Um, but yeah, I, I got through it. I fought Omega Weapon. I beat every boss in the castle, got all my stuff back. Uh, the, and the puzzles, this is coming from a guy like I hate fucking puzzles and mazes and shit. And I honestly found the puzzles in this to be like perfect. They're like, yeah, they weren't not bad. too long, not too hard. Yeah. They were a little tedious, but like yeah, not, they weren't they weren't bad. Not bad. I just the layout of the castle is what kind of bothered me, but it is what it is. It's not like a major deal. It's not the most egregious dungeon I've ever yeah. done. But and it is I hard like, as fuck. It's it's the hardest. Like this is why this castle and everything that happens from this point on is why I believe Final Fantasy VIII is the hardest Final Fantasy game of all. Time. I've never finished it at level 100 let's just say that yeah i would never try yeah um and that's obviously because of the 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 leveling mechanics but and then you like basically you reach her door first of all 
I, I need to mention how, like, when you first get to the entrance to her castle, how it, like, the, the doors just, like, open a crack, and the door's, like, fucking huge, and the players are, like, this big, and they just walk through the crack, and then the camera just, like, pans up, and it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But, yeah, you get to her throne room, and isn't her throne, like, way high up off the ground and stuff? I love the symbolism there. Yeah. Because she is placing herself... As a god, everyone, yeah, like she is the ruler of the time compressed world and she's gonna make sure you fucking know it. Yeah, she rules all time, basically. Yeah, and I love that they gave her like this beastly kind of well, she's hot, number one. Oh, yeah, super hot. And she has like a, I want to say, I think it's like Russian or some sort of like. Mortal Kombat accent. <laughs> right. But I think the reason they give her K's is the same reason they gave Dr. Odine the accent that he had. They oh, wanted maybe. to give her like this villainous accent. So like her, even though her C's are K's and it's basically the same sound. Yeah. It would almost be like she's saying it as like a hard K, like compression, like compression. She talks, yeah. She's very deliberate in how, yeah, in how she talks. Even her, the way she, yeah, even the way her speech is worded. I could see it being like an accent of sorts where she's very deliberately saying words with a K sound instead of like a, like a a C-ish K sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, More like just emphasizing her words. Um, and did I mention that she's really fucking hot? Uh, yeah, she is, man. Yeah. She is. The hottest villain maybe ever. Yeah. Um, da- the cloud of darkness is, but the cloud of darkness, I don't know how sentient the cloud of darkness really is at the end of right, the day. Yeah. Right. Um, in 14, I think she's more, uh, sentient than she is the in cloud? three. Yeah. Um, so you face off against Ultimecia, and then eventually she creates Griever, and like, that's important from his from Squall's mind. Yes, because that, that that's is an his icon to him. That's yeah, that's his idea of strength. Yeah, like he even says, like I think earlier in the game, something about you know the lion is the strongest. Like it has no fear. It's it's you know, it's the root, like everything that Squall basically isn't <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, like he is, but he doesn't, it's funny it's because what he aspires to be someday, but not really because Squall doesn't want to be a leader. That's true. And, and it's, it's what I, he sees as power as like the most powerful. Right. Thing. It's ironic to me that as an animal that leads a pack, right? A yeah. lion leads its, its, pack or group or whatever the fuck it's called and he sees himself like he sees that a powerful creature is the lion but that's not him that's like he's not he is a natural born leader so in that way it's the symbolism is is that yes he is a lion yeah but in his mind he doesn't want those things he doesn't want to be a leader so it's just an ironic thing to me that his idea of strength is a lion when he doesn't take on or doesn't want the same qualities that a lion yeah. possesses he other becomes than strength. It, but yeah, yeah, he he does. And it's that full circle thing. It eventually comes around that he is that lion now. Yeah. 
Um, but, but I think it's so smart of Altamicia to like basically take that from his mind, his idea of like his that symbolism of like perfection to him, like his idol creature, and and uses it against him, right? Right. To try and break him. So, I yeah, I really like it because it's like a fear you, tactic. Yeah, you fight Griever, you fight her first, right? Right, and, you fight like, her to, first. And then you fight Griever, and then she, like, junctions herself to Griever or right. something like that. And then uh, she completes time compression by by transforming again. It's and fucking badass alien-looking yeah. fucking thing, man. Also, still would. But anyway. <laughs> just Her face is a 4K TV. Like, how do you go wrong? I mean, she is the queen of time and space and is smoking hot. Right. She's got kind of like weird moose antler things going on. But Still would. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you. Man, that's a fucking good boss fight. It's it hard is a fuck. long as fuck and hard as fuck. So boss good, fight. though, man. Um, And so, Doesn't did you music know change when you reach your final form too? I want to say, or when yes. you're close to beating it. I also think that the party that goes into that fight is random. I think so too. And then if a character dies, they get they sucked. Get... They get sucked into the void. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so eventually you beat her. You know, she basically explodes, and you think she's dead. Uh. And she every, starts, like, gyrating, like, yeah, all creepy and stuff. Time compression starts to go away, but unfortunately that means that now is the time for Squall and his friends to rely on each other. Squall kind of succeeds, but he accidentally goes to the wrong time. Yeah. And he sees Matron, and he sees Ultimecia give Idea the powers, and then she dies. And... It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. She knew that a seed named Squall would kill her. And that she was going to do what it took. To try and prevent it. To try and prevent it so she could rule all of time and space. But her preventing it. But her, her tactic of preventing it, exactly, is what caused her death. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. She caused her own death. Yeah. And so she's the victim for really, if you think about it. <laughs> Just trying to get an Ultimacy's good books. <laughs> I I wish and this is where I love Ultimacia, but she falls a little flat. They don't give a reason for anything that she does other than her central motive. And this is supposed to be your main villain. So like, I think it's like with her, her, her craving for power, like her greed for power, her craving for power is unmatched. Right. Right. So even if she knows she's so narcissistic that even though she knows that this is what causes all this, she still thinks with, in her narcissism that no, if I become powerful enough, they can't stop me. That's how I, that's what I believe. And my thought too, though, is like, 
I wish they would have done something where, like, maybe she had a night and, like, Seed killed her night and now to get revenge on Seed because her whole thing is she fucking hates Seed. Like, yeah, she is she going does. to she is going to destroy but again, Seed. Seed was only created to kill her, basically. Right, but again, the cycle. Yeah. So I was... I kind of wish that they would have done something a little bit more with her and been like, here is why she, this is her motivation. This is why. Yeah. She yeah. Like, seed. why does she want to be so powerful? And like, what is she space? trying to do other than just rule time and space? But I could see because she's obviously a powerful sorceress to begin with. So my guess is like, she, she rules her time. I think she like does in, in, in her era. They actually rules. says she does. Yeah, so it's like she's so powerful and power hungry and full and nar- full blown narcissist. That's not enough. You know what I mean? Why? Why would I rule? Why would I rule the world? This is boring. I want to rule all space and time, right? So I, I think that's her motivation. This is just she's fucking bored. She rules everything in her right. Time. I, I guess I could see that. I just. I don't know. It she her presence in the game just feels really thrown in at times. So I I don't know. I was kind of hoping that eventually they would do something different with her, but I I don't I love her as a villain yeah, if same. only because she's really hot. No. No. Hot, hot and like powerful. Fucking if, powerful. If evil, why hot? No. And, and terrifying. Yeah. Like you know, like she's so good. But, uh, so anyway, Adea gets the, the powers because she's actually a sorceress. Yeah. Um, and he sets in motion his own destiny. Uh, then, you know, obviously Sid establishes garden. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I really think it's cool too, because like Squall sees himself as a child. Yeah. And he basically looks at Adea and he he comforts her. He says, don't worry, that little boy will come back. And then that's when she realizes this is Squall. And she says, you know, she says to the little boy, I believe, you're the only Squall that belongs in this, belongs here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, then this is the point where Squall is supposed to, like, try to come back to his own time. But he kind of gets lost. And he gets lost, and, like, you know, you see the scene where he has no face, and you're like, okay, what the that fuck? That part's fucking crazy, Yeah, eh? And, and it's then, like all his memories are, like, flashing by, yep. like, super fast. And then Renoa breaks through the fog, and she saves him, and brings him back. And then... And it's because they remembered to prom- that the promise that they'd meet in that right. field. The one thing, now we're going to get to the ending of this, because it's about that time. (sighs) This is why I don't like Cypher by the end of this game. Oh, yeah, he just gets a free pass. Exactly. There is no fucking consequences to anything he did. No, and he doesn't ever redeem himself. And there's no explanation as to how much of him was being mind-controlled, and how much of it was he was he drinking the goddamn tea? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you never get an explanation. 
You never get any kind of like insight into his character after like disc one. They don't establish like is Cypher jealous of Squall and that's why he is driven to face off with Squall more often. Like they just kind of drop Cypher off the map until it's convenient for him. And and then then he's fishing with the boys. And then he's fishing (laughs) with the boys, which you kind of wanted him to do because of Fujin and Raijin, and you love those two characters, so you're like... Don't they boot him into the lake? No, uh, Fujin boots Raijin into the Uh. lake. (laughs) Um, But... And he's, like, laughing or whatever. Right. So I guess the only way you could interpret that is that he had to have been mind-controlled for, like, 99% of that. Yeah, but they don't really tell you. They don't really explain They don't. But they also let Idea get off without doing... Like, she committed, like, how many, like, fucking war crimes and shit. But they knew she was possessed. I know, but that's what I mean. They would have had to have known at the end. They don't tell you ever as the player... But they would have had to have found out or known that he was possessed then. Right. That's I mean, the only I, answer that makes sense. Makes this make sense. Right. I. Yeah. I don't know. But it they just, should have. You're right. They should have fucking like. It, it would have taken a line like of dialogue. That right. Said that. It would have taken like two or three lines of dialogue. Um. Because the ending is just straight up a cutscene. There's like no yeah, dialogue. Yeah, it's a cutscene. Um. Yeah. I. I do love this, but the ending is also really sad if you think about it. Yeah, it is. Like because, Rain's grave and all that. Yeah, Laguna finally goes to Lane to Rain's gra- grave with alone and Kiros and Ward. And you see the ring on his hand, and then there is a flashback to Laguna and Rain together. And then I'm pretty sure that's the last time he ever saw her alive. Yeah. And it's like, Squall and everybody fly over in the garden, and, like, you'd think it's supposed to be, like, this happy moment, like, everybody's alive, everybody's well, you know, Squall can go visit Laguna anytime he wants, and they can talk, but it's really fucking fucking sad, because it's like, Rain is dead, and and you know that, like, for a fact now, and, like... It, it just shows you that Laguna never got to be. He never happy. got to really live his life. Yeah, like, he he never he got paid to the watch ultimate. His... Pr- he paid the ultimate price. Like he he lost his wife, but much worse than that, he never got to have a really a relationship or a family with his wife either. Right, and it it it's very sad ending. It, it yeah, as it much is. as it it's is a happy ending, it, it's bittersweet. Yeah, it's yeah. not really necessarily. Where Final Fantasy is kind of at this era. Final Fantasy is pretty big on the bittersweet ending at right. this point in time. VV, like, yeah, VV ten, ten's uh, like huge bittersweet moment. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty funny though because the ending does have some funny scenes because there's like the whole part where it's like shot with a camera. Yeah, that's during the credits, right? And, yeah, and fucking Zell is Zell's just jamming fucking hot, hot like, dogs, double fisting hot dogs in his mouth, and he starts choking and shit. And like, yeah, I think we know what our opening uh, scene sh- should be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, god damn it! So, uh, I'm not even fucked up. Uh, 
So, uh, and he's like choking. He's like, oh, oh, he's yeah. choking on a hot dog. And like everybody's and talking to Squall laughing. and Renoa and everything. And finally, Squall and Renoa kiss. Yeah. They finally have it. And, uh, I, I don't know. Did you get the feeling that like Irvine and Selfie end up together and maybe Zell and Quistus? I don't know. I don't get any vibe from Zell and Quistus. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Irvin and I could see Irvin and Selfie, but yeah, for I don't sure. Know. Zell, Zell and them hot dogs, man. I think that's Zell. That's the Zell, match. you know what? Zell's real love is hot dogs. It absolutely is. So I always, I've always wanted to try Balam Garden hot dogs. It does crack me up though that like, <laughs> it's almost. A reference to Squall and Renoa. What do you mean? A little bit. Because, like, oh, from the very beginning, Zell has wanted those hot dogs. And every time he's gone <laughs> to get them, they've been, they've been uh, <laughs> much like Squall, they're, uh, they're unavailable, right? Yeah, yeah. And now, at the very end of the game, after time compression's been stopped and they're all happy and shit, he finally got his hot dogs. Yeah, that's true. That's the real love story of Final Fantasy VIII, folks. the real love story. The fucking, the fucking, like how every title has a logo in it. The logo should have been a giant fucking hot dog. <laughs> yeah, it says, <laughs> doesn't it say like Fiend or like, like, it's not even, it doesn't even say the end. It just says like Fiend, like finish, like you know? Fin, yeah. So. Yeah. I love the ending, but yeah, it's, it's got some sad stuff in there. It's just, it's so good. I don't know. The ending is really good. It honestly it makes you wish you would like see what happens to these characters. Like, like if they made like a movie or something of eight and didn't fuck it up, like they did with every other final fantasy movie. I think it, I think it could be pretty cool. I think a remake of this game would do really like well with it. Yeah. As long as if they did it right, as long as they left the plot ghosts out of it. Yeah. But But, like, uh, a prequel or a C I think out of all the Final Fantasy games, this one would be the most would would be the most worthwhile to do a sequel or a prequel. I think prequel more so yeah. than a sequel because Dude, I feel Laguna. like I feel like eight had a solidified ending. Yeah, yeah. Like what are you gonna create that's gonna be I don't that's the thing. I like it's weird because like it they never do it, but I always like when there's a sequel and the big bad isn't as bad as the first, as the original big bad, you know what I mean? Like I like the arcs in dragon ball where Goku's not there. Right. So the, the, y- the other cast have to deal with it. So it's not as powerful as like Frieza maybe, but it's still right. I don't know. I like, I, I like that for the sequel. I like, I, so I, I get what you're saying because Jojo's does a certain thing like that. Like, okay. The first, three uh the first three parts are all basically like surrounding dio and dio is like this he's seeking world domination like he wants to destroy the world and rule over it and everything and then like uh well season two is not that but there is a thing that's trying to rule the world in season two um season four comes around and it's based in this small town and it's kind of like a murder mystery and then like the 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 main villain isn't trying to rule the world or destroy the world or like be an all-powerful leader he literally is just a serial killer 
that wants to just kill people. And like his stand, like I, I, his stand I, is really, really powerful, but he's not using it for world domination. It's just kind of a isolated town where he's just a murderer. Yeah, I kind of like that when sequels do that, where it's like it doesn't have to be like this world ending powerful thing, but it does need to be something that's serious enough that the main cast needs to go and stop it. Right. Right. The problem I have with something like Final Fantasy, though, is that once once you introduce a villain that is like quote unquote all powerful. Yeah, yeah, like the god time it's, compression. It's, like, it's very hard to make a villain later on make sense. Make sense that the party couldn't just smack away. Yeah. Easily. But if it's years later and they're not all together, like Yeah. Yeah, but Final Fantasy has this weird power scaling thing and Yeah, it does. It just doesn't almost always sequels yeah. just almost don't work because they Unless it's a new cast. They have to one-up each other, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, even After Years, it really it does one-up each other. Have you ever played the After Years? It's hard as fuck. Have you ever beaten it, though? No, I haven't. Do you know, like, what the final boss is and, like, the, the whole yeah. build-up to the final yeah. boss? How it, like, goes between Final Fantasy games, basically, and, like, takes, like, the fucking crystals from every Final Fantasy game. And all that shit. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's, it's called the the main villain, if I remember correctly, it's called the creator. And it's, like, this fucking, basically this space creature alien guy being that uh, goes between all the Final Fantasy games and takes all the crystal. Like, so there's, like, the fire crystal from one, the fire crystal from all of them. And then, and it goes through each of them. And you have to fight... You have to fight the four, like what would be the representative of the four fiends from every Final Fantasy oh, game, Jesus. basically, and then, um, and then, yeah, you fight uh, the creator and stuff. But he, his whole thing is that he's traveling through all these dimensions to uh, get all the crystals to become like this omnipotent being or whatever. So he's and, like cool Gilgamesh. Yeah, basically, he's like an all powerful Gilgamesh kind of thing, but. The 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 reason up until this point uh, the after years work so well is because yeah it would be different if Cecil and Kane and and like Edge and all those guys were the ones doing the main adventure but it's basically all their kids and they're not as strong as their parents were in right, the prime okay. right so that's why it works but then once you get then you get like three quarters of the way through the story and you start freeing Cecil, you start freeing Kane gets his like life back in order. And honestly, the the story of the after years is so good, but the gameplay is so difficult and hard because of how they drop you into this nuclear difficult yeah. boss fight with a character you haven't even played as yet in this game. Um, but it it's so well done. It, and it is that fact that you're fighting these guys that aren't this always this world-ending creature, but it's because you're playing as the kids. And then once you get all the party members from the original game and the kids together, that's when you're fighting this creator who's fucking this interdimensional being who's gathering all the crystals and stuff like that. Yeah, it's that's why I think it's so hard to do for Final Fantasy to do sequels. So yeah, with a final boss, yeah, right, and that's why I like. I won't talk about it. I was gonna say something about remake, but I'll just let it go. Uh, 
But yeah, so guys, this was this was our Final Fantasy VIII podcast series. I a journey was a journey. Uh, this is two hours and eighteen minutes in so far. So uh, we're gonna call it here. Uh, I want to thank all of you for getting this far. If you guys yeah, no watched, doubt. you know, every episode and, and of this series, you know, we really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, we we really appreciate you watching any of the episodes of any yeah, of this no podcast doubt. at all. So uh, this has been a great journey. We might do this with another game sometime. I'm not sure what it will be. Uh, fuck, we might do Metal Gear Solid. Even I mean, I'm not saying we will, but it's a game we've both played now and. Uh, you know that I'm a decent fan of it. So, uh, I don't know. It just this was fun. I really enjoyed talking about Final Fantasy VIII. It's something we've wanted to do for a really long time, and something we finally got done. So, uh, that's all I got. Uh, thanks for watching, guys, or listening. Uh, don't forget you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, and my YouTube channel. Uh. I just, this was awesome. So thanks yeah, for all the likes good. and shares and, and ratings and everything. Keep it up. Follow us on Spotify. Get those numbers up, up, up. And uh, that's all I got. You got anything to add? I just want to apologize. I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Um, for my voice, I blew up my voice on the weekend, and it just it just hasn't come back yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I do want to apologize for that. You guys probably noticed it the whole fucking podcast. Hey, it sounded okay on my end. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. It sounds pretty bad to me, but um, yeah, be sure to check out Spectre Fest. If you're watching this or listening to this on Friday, it's uh tomorrow all day, baby. But yeah, have a good one guys. Um, Dookie zero three, AKA Corey. And I'm Alex, a.k.a. Soldier First Class. And this has been the last, the finale episode of our Final Fantasy VIII series. Uh, Check us out. We're going to be coming back with the next episode. I don't know what the topic's going to be, but we'll figure it the fuck out. We should do do Dragon Quest X, because we finished the... uh, Oh, we could. Version 1, like the original game. We we might talk about Dragon Quest Ten next episode, but we'll we'll discuss it and we'll kind of come up with an idea. But anyway, guys, thank you all for watching slash listening. This has been episode ten, but our episode three of our part our multi part series of Final Fantasy Eight. I fucked that up super hard. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's it. All right, have a good one, guys. Later, guys. Bye.